There was huge excitement when Akuna Kali bought up a majority stake of Shelbourne Football Club and now the Turkish experiment seems to be over before it's even started. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where St. Pat's FAI Cup final performance will decide the final European places. Damien Duff finds himself in the middle of a battle of the shareholders and Waterford find themselves one step away from Premier Division football. My name is Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by Nathan Doyle from TheBigKickoff.com. And Nathan, the news is coming out of Talca. It's really odd. I'm very surprised. It certainly has. It's been an entertaining uh, evening for Shelbourne fans, for League of Ireland fans as a whole, I suppose, because... Even you, know, you always see people in the know. Well, I knew this was coming. I've been hearing this, but it really did blindside a lot of people. And that being the news that uh, Shelbourne's shareholders are now in line to buy back the club. So this comes, as you mentioned in your intro, five months after uh, the current Turkish uh, ownership took over the club back in June. Uh, it's believed a lot of this has come and built due to Damien Duff and the situation of Damien Duff Shelbourne want to keep Damien Duff as the manager that's something that and the, sh- and the Shelbourne, Shelbourne fans want to keep him that's where the pressure's coming from oh, isn't it? It's, it's seriously it's a seriously popular figure in Talca Park while it hasn't been confirmed just yet right at the time of recording it's expected to be announced uh, ASAP really along with the fact that the uh, Shelbourne uh, shareholders will be in, uh, in control of the club by the end of the week, so that that's going to happen any minute now. Unfortunately, it didn't happen before we recorded, which is usually the way, so we'll just go off what we have here. And it comes because there was concern around the future of Damien Duff, and that being that it's, it's something that's been brewing in the background. Damien Duff has come out and said that he'd like to remain. As you said, the, the Hogger Park faithful would love to have him on board. He's a hugely popular figure, and why wouldn't he be? Shelbourne finished fourth in the table. Uh, 60 points, two points off an automatic European place, but you still have the cup final. They'll have an eye on that, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So the European dream for 2024 isn't over for them just yet. Uh, they've won defeat in the last 15 games at a brilliant uh, end of season run. But then you, you do look at that and you wonder, what is Damien Duff? Why hasn't he been given a contract extension earlier than this? It's, it's rumoured that uh, a lot of it is the contract was relying on the outcome of this Sunday's FBI Cup final, but uh, and there was no movement on a contract extension uh, due due to that. It was all eyes on the finals involving St. Pat's and Bowles uh, for the contract, which again is absolutely mental. Think of the job that he's done, and the, it's believed that Shelbourne shareholders were going to be itchy in the background, and this was catalyst for them to move forward yeah. and to buy back the club. There's a full amount of what three million that was agreed to sort of take over that 60% majority and there's talk that they're going to agree to leave without recouping any of this money. I find that hard to believe. I find that if it was the truth, highly stupid. Um, I, I just find that hard to believe. It's not, I can't comprehend that. What do you think? It strikes me that... Well, how much of the three million was actually paid? Because this is something I've never heard of, right? You essentially have an owner in a Cairn, uh, Cali, that 
has injected him and, and the firm has injected three million uh, euro into Shelbourne, and now he's just walking away from the table. Doesn't want any paybacks. Doesn't want anything at all. Doesn't even want to go into uh, minority ownership. That's not even on the table. I didn't even become a director of the club. But he's just completely walked away from it now. The only thing they've talked about is that Shelbourne and Hull City will continue to have a strategic partnership. And we've talked about strategic partnerships over the, the years that we've been doing this podcast. And it can range from, you know, maybe a couple of coaches coming over every now and again and the odd loan player. But you don't really uh, see the materialise and the major. So we're not going to see in, in extreme talent exchange that we, to be honest, that we expected to see between Gels and Hull City when this talk uh, ownership came in. But yeah, it, it does make me wonder how, how much of that three million has gone into the bank that he's not looking for any uh, payback, and also any of the money that's remaining in the bank at the minute, even that's not going to be removed from the club. It, it, it's such a strange situation, isn't it, Roy? And as you said, it's something that's literally happened in the, the couple of hours before we came down here. So. Unfortunately, the, the, the details are a little bit hazy at the minute. I'm sure we'll find out a lot more in the coming days, but such a strange situation, isn't it? Just, and it's, it's about, it is nice to see, by all accounts, it's a very uh, amicable split between both parties. But yeah, I, I find it very difficult to get, wrap your head around how this, the, the, the three million injection is, is just, that's it, it's nullified. It's, it's Shelbourne don't have to worry about paying that back. Yeah, I think you're probably right there, Nathan. That makes more sense that he probably only has put a little bit in. Um, that three million probably hasn't gone in. Again, pure speculation uh, from my end. I, uh, I like we're saying to you before we came on here, but I'm sure you were doing the same. Not just gauging interest, and a lot of Shelburne fans are extremely happy uh, with this news, particularly the news that Damien does going to be staying on board, as you said, such a popular figure. And it's something where we were both very critical. We're both, I think we always are, and we talk about Drotted and stuff a little bit later, I'm sure, and show the takeover. Yeah, and it's something we've talked about for, for weeks. Uh, and it's going to the takeover talk, especially with uh, foreign investment coming in uh, under the, 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 the multi-club portfolio. I think that's something that I can be very critical on and very, uh, can, a little bit sceptical on the, with, with the interest, you know, from a new owner coming in, would they have the club's best interest at heart? And one thing I have, it's a very regular thing where we see this, these ownerships coming in. The brag about the, the finances they're going to put into the training facilities and the stadiums. And now that's something I wonder about Tolga Park and about Shelbourne. Right, you're a Shelbourne man, you're very happy. You have a popular manager that's going to remain for 2024. I wonder, have you been, is there, you know, a bit of. What's, what's now? What, what, what's going to happen in the next year or two? Is it going to get a little bit messy? So you're having a bit of short-term happiness because you have your man. You have your manager that you wanted in place. But what's going to go forward? What's the uh, the finances going to be like? Because a lot of people, very, very early predictions, had Shelburne uh, maybe pushing into that league title race or at least pushing into a European position because they were expected to have a really, really good budget going into 2024 to be able to improve their squad and then hopefully down the line make improvements at Tolga Park so these are all things that are very up in the air and I, I think it's something that could potentially turn into a messy situation Yeah I, I, again one thing that I had heard that was that there was talk about a little bit of hesitancy a bit of they weren't looking at the same sort of 
in, in the same direction, in the same line, they weren't on the same page when it came to how to sort of sort the squad out for next year, how they're going to go into a transfer market, who they're going to keep on, who they're going to bring in. So, and again, if Duff, they don't even know if Duff is going to be there, I'm sure that didn't help either. Listen, if, I, if you have an owner, I think you want a couple of things. You want one, that they come in and they're, they're willing to give everything for the club. And two, that they're big on their decisions that they make and they own the decisions that they make. So to jump ship because a few fans are, well, probably all the fans, are giving out that Damien Duff. If they wanted someone else other than Damien Duff, they should just say, listen, no, we thank Damien for what he's done. We really... We really see a, a good future and a vision here with our new manager, blah, blah, blah. And this is who we want to stand on. Or, you know, whatever they wanted, to, what way they wanted to spin it, if they wanted to spin it. But they're not making a decision here. They're, they're buckling already. So do they really want someone who's going to buckle already? Yeah, they might have the money, but they don't seem to be really behind what's there. So is it a case that they weren't going to come in and spend loads of money? Is it, is it a case that they weren't going to up budgets too much? Um, there's a, I suppose there's a lot of questions behind them and I don't know it just shows uh, for me it's a little bit of weakness there when it comes to an owner if you want a, an owner you want them to make strong decisions knowledgeable decisions and have a plan and for me there it looks a little bit weak and it also smacks of an owner that for whatever reason which again I was struggling to wrap my head around it did not want Damien Duff at that club yeah. Because his, act, his actions have proved that he was very unwilling to give him a contract extension, very much holding off. Well, we'll see if we get Europe. It's only in, it's, it's, the ownership is only in place five months, mm. and it's already well, you know, you're going to live and die by if you get European football by 2024, which that really should not be the way. When you're only in, but came in as an owner into a club halfway during the season, you have a manager there that's very, very popular. Uh, has done an excellent job. He really, really has. In his short term, but it's what he's done at Shelbourne. He's really pushing forward. Personal opinions aside, what you think of Damien Duff? He's brilliant for the league. We've talked about him a couple of times, how he's a mainstream voice that can be listened to from the outside, even if that's the mainstream media. He's someone that's respected around football circles. So when he's talking about issues within the League of Ireland, it's, it's going to be picked up on more than, you know, your, your average Joe, I'm not going to name anybody, but you know yourself, your average Joe League of Ireland manager. It's someone that's done it on an international stage and has done it uh, in the Premier League and has been really, really successful. So when, he, when he's speaking now, that's going to gain a bit more traction and make a few more headlines. And that can only be a positive for the league. Mm-hmm. So it, it, really, I, I'm baffled by how they didn't just, you know, like I said, uh, one defeat in the last 15 league games. After that record, you should be throwing a contract at manager. And also, not only that, a manager has publicly come out and shown his admiration and love for the club and has publicly said, I want to be here next season. So what the delay was in giving that manager a contract extension is, that's the only thing I can think of. You have an owner there that just did not want him at the club. And I cannot understand that because the job he's done has excellent. He should be up there. We we probably talked about that in a, in a couple of weeks. And Arsenal might stuff might go out with manager of the season. He should be in that conversation. Whether he gets it or not is, is a different thing uh, for for other people. I know the League of Ireland have announced it. 
their team this season. But you know, like like fan creative content stuff like they they'll have their own. But he's going to be in everyone's conversation. So why a contract extension wasn't thrown at him is absolutely crazy. Do you t- let, let's just say they weren't weak. Let's just say they don't really give two shits if Damien Duff was there or wasn't there. What about the question? They had a look at Shelbourne, they had a look at the League of Ireland and had second thoughts. I think that again, then that it's, it's without being Mr. Obvious League of Ireland fan and always pointing to the FEI, that then brings into question what is the due diligence being done? Because what's told is every time a new takeover, a new owner comes into the league, is that they have to pass rigorous FEI, uh, I don't know if I say testing or investigation, but there's a lot of holes they have to apparently jump over to take over these clubs. But they might be financially so they to, strong. They might say, listen, we're, we have this amount of money. These are our, our financial uh, records and the FEI might be happy with all that sort of stuff. But maybe when they looked at it uh, overall, maybe they said, maybe the League of Ireland isn't, you know, worth putting money into. Good, a good reason to from, from a Shelburne point of view, isn't mm. it? Uh, again, we've only been specul- uh, speculating on yeah, these things. exactly, because it's only well, after as coming a, out. So. As, as a Shelburne fan, that, that's what my thinking would be. After five months, you're looking around and saying, oh God, I'm going to pump a lot of money into the stadium and the, the, the manager here not be fond of. You never know. Uh, they, uh, they have stake in the whole city. Maybe they want to get their own, their own staff in and play a similar formation and set up the whole city. We, we, we've seen a little bit of a change in Damien Duff's setup over the past couple of weeks. Maybe that's something to do with it. Which, if that is the case, then he definitely needs to put out and, and stay out of football and matters and, and allow the manager, the manager to manage the team. Uh, I suppose, I don't know if it's a little bit topic or not, but the, uh, this, the Tokus crowd that they're coming in and take over Shelburne, like, even before the, the came to talk apart, there was rumours of the Mosner Roy around the league, didn't they were talking, they were looking anyway, not without even talking. I'm up doing dark, I'm up saying Pat, mm. I'm up throttled it as well. So, yeah, you'd you wonder what was the, the real motive of the takeover. And again, if we're speculating, saying that, it, it could be, they're looking around and thinking, well, it, it's not what I thought it was. It definitely would be a, a case of good wins if you were a Shelburne fan. Okay, so... Where does this leave Shelbourne? Because yes, right, they, as you said, they, one, they, they get Damien Duff in uh, as the manager. Damien, Damien hasn't signed that and so no, there's nothing guaranteed there that he'd want to stay either, you know. That would really be a kick in the nuts. But if, let's just say Damien Duff stays on, he's there for a year, great. If they look at themselves now and they look at a Talca Park uh, that's falling apart and they see that Bowes are, are going to get the stadium that they should have been part of. Where does it leave them now as home-wise? Because there's a good bit of money has to go into Talca Park if they want to try and do something there. Yeah, big time. Because th- that was the only really route they, they seemed they wanted to go down was an investor coming in and um, and pumping money into a, re- into a redevelopment rather than a new build, as you, you've seen with the... Uh, say a Talca Park campaign it's something you want to remain at home which is very understandable it's a historic stadium in the League of Ireland and in the realms of Irish football which you, you can see why they, they want to remain there obviously there's a lot of work that really does need to go into it like I was saying just, just a couple of minutes before uh, earlier on in this conversation it is something that could be potentially messy in the future when you're looking at the, the infrastructure of the club and the facilities of the club because now they, they had uh, a billionaire media mogul 
coming in as their main financial backer. He's no longer at the club. It's uh, now gone back into the Irish directors of Shelbourne. It's, it's very much uncertain because you were looking at long-term projects and that, most importantly, being the state of Tulsa Park. Now that, that's up in the air. Mm. As I said, Shelbourne fans are very, very happy that they got the manager. But I do, I'm a little bit on the edge here, even from the outside looking in, thinking this could get messy for them and there's a financial security that apparently, again, it, you do wonder how much of that $3 million actually went into the club. But there was a, apparent a lot of talk about there was going to be a massive boost in the budget for Damien Duff or whoever the, the demand was going to be for 2024 to go out and, and build a squad that could push on from the league standards this year when there was a lot of talk of the ownership wanting European football. So that's something that apparently they seemed they wanted very quickly and they were going to put the money into the squad to, to allow Shelbourne to do that. So, yeah, there's a lot of questions around Shelbourne. There definitely so, is, because if Damien, yeah. is Damien Duff going to hang around if his budget is reduced and he can't have the players that he wants and, you know, he can't yeah, progress yeah, that team on? And then you're also losing a player like uh, like Jack Moylan, who's, again, coming off his brilliant season, 15 goals, top goal scorer, the joint top goal scorer, excuse me, this season. He's gone off in a free to Lincoln City, so you're, you're losing one of your key talismen. So already that's going to be a massive hope for them to fail. We've seen the two Wilson brothers, J.R. Wilson and Tyree Wilson. They've also left the club. Two really good players on their day. So, yeah, it, it is. It, it'll come here and be happy. If you're a Shelbourne fan, be happy. you got the manager you want. But also just keep an eye on, on what's going to go on as next year, year or so because I already can't see them being during the build pushing for the league title because there is going to be a reduced budget from what they were maybe expecting going into the off-season. Yeah, OK. Well, we know that there's been a lot of pressure um, from those fans. There's been a lot of emails being sent on to the shareholders and uh, wanting Damien Duff to stay on. Uh, obviously, if there's loggerheads within the shareholders about it, uh, I don't know, it's, it just seems there's something not right. Something's not sitting right there. There's definitely something else going on there. I can't see that they pull out just because some of them want the manager and some of them don't. There's something there that uh, we'll find out maybe going down the road. But uh, all eyes are on Talca Park at the moment, anyhow. Right. Well, for the moment, it is. The weekend, maybe not so. Nathan, the FAI Cup final is on this week. And uh, for Shelbourne, it's very important, but they're not even playing. Yeah, that's it. People were saying, oh, it's all eyes and Tolka. I've been having the all eyes in this match for the past. <laughs> well, <laughs> definitely under the league wrapped up. Was recording here on Wednesday. And as a Pats fan, I can't confirm I am like a bold child. I think this week <laughs> will never just wrap up. And look, obviously, we're all looking forward to the day out. That's the FA Cup final. Bohemian State and St. Pats on uh, this coming Sunday, this way of November. Three o'clock kickoff in the Aviva Stadium. If you can't make it to the game, you can catch it on RTE. Uh, look, we, we, we'll probably break the two teams down in the second row, but one thing, again, not too long before we came on here is there's a really, really, a really impressive, a record-breaking crowd that could be potentially on the cards for this one. Uh, so the, the, the latest figures we're seeing, there was 40,000 tickets uh, sold for the game. Oh, you have the Aviva Stadium records, which was broken by these two teams in 2021 that stands at uh, uh, 47,126 but then the overall FDI Cup final record is 
41,238. Mm. That was set all the way back in 1945 between uh, Shamrock Rovers and Bowers in Dalyman Park. So we're, we're less than 2,000 tickets away from breaking the, the all-time FBI Cup record, which would be absolutely fantastic, you know, from the past point of view, and I'm sure the Bowers fans out there as well. I remember going through times where Pats are fighting relegation and you're pulling in a crowd of 200, 250, mm. especially at away games. And now you have your side going into a cup final on Sunday, playing in front of 40,000 people. It's, it's, it's absolutely it's mad to see. Isn't it amazing, Nathan, when you look at how the FA Cup has kind of dwindled over in England? Yeah, you, you kind of look at it and yeah. it's a bit. But this seems to be like a huge thing here in Ireland when you compare it to what the FA Cup now is like over in England. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you do see people here that Irish fans and Irish culture as a whole, we know we love a big day out, but that's not even the case. Like you look at City Pats, you look at Bohemians, they're regularly selling out the home games. Albeit, you know, you can't compare the, the five thousand or so to a five thousand tier capacity, but the the, the two teams that uh, for the past couple past number of years, probably since uh, the since the pandemic, since the return of, of fans, these them along with a lot of other sides that there's been a skyrocketed increase of attendance at home games, away games and even European games uh, when you get to that. It's probably a question what we're just talking about uh, attendance is right before we move on to the two teams themselves. Will we ever see a sellout in the Aviva Stadium at an FA Cup final? Yeah, sure. If it's 40,000 now, you're only, what, 12,000 off the capacity or so. So, yeah, I, I can't see why not. I'd expect... League of Ireland attendances to go up over the next while. Um, I do still think there's a lot of work that the league has to do and the FAI need to be helping out. But I do feel that it's on an upward uh, trajectory and they need to take advantage of that. If they do, I think that 50,000 is 52,000, full house, whatever, is, yeah, it's reachable. Absolutely. So, um it depends on the teams as well, doesn't it? It depends who's there. Yeah, Bows are Bows are well supported. Uh, Pats are well supported. You know the likes of Rovers and Derry and you know Cork probably. You know they they'd bring up the, the numbers. So it'd be interesting. Galway now over the next while, uh, you would think are going to be around. Uh, they seem to have a bit more uh, of a solid foundation around them now. So um, something happens with with Galway, you you wouldn't be surprised. Uh, to see a large turnout there if they turned up. So I can I can see a full house, but well, maybe not yet, but, you know, we're not far away from that. But it does depend on how we market this league and how we how, how we keep progressing uh, as a league. Um, for me, it's the same paths to lose. So what do you see in Bohemians that can help overturn paths? Yeah, so you're looking at both sides that um, the league standing would definitely be disappointed upon them. We're going to finish up six, mm-hmm. uh, four points off St. Pat's in that whole European place. Uh, well, they have a little bit more momentum going into it. They had a really good win uh, in the form game of the season, beating Cork 4 0. John Apalabe double, which that's actually something that's going to be really, really important for them on the day. We talked about Jack Morgan scoring 15 goals. Uh, John also has 15, so there's the two joint top goal scorers this season. That's going to be really important for them. And I think that's that year with the Titchroy where they're going to be relying heavily on them. You have James Clark there, Dylan Connolly, uh, Danny Grant that's came in, especially over the past couple of weeks. 
I think that's that's where they're really going to have to capitalise because we feel um, defensively their goals are a little bit weaker than St. Pat's. Like you have Pat's there with uh, Sam Corson and Joe Redmond in, in the back four who are actually some of the, the two best defenders in the league. I've seen Linus and Gold has been excellent for them this year. Uh, yeah, so I feel that's where they kind of really win it because the further you go back that, that ball side, I think Pats do have the strength. I think Pats t- uh, deep on midfield would be very able to counteract the, the midfield of both teams. So, yeah, I, I think that would be a massive advantage for them. Looking at the injury list, I suppose both sides are, are lucky enough. Pats have a couple of long-term injuries, but the big one for Bowles on the day is, is Keith Buckley. Uh, unfortunately for him, uh, with a very long-term ACL injury, he's going to be a massive loss for him because he's someone that can sit in that little bit of a deeper line of defence and, and, and allow the more uh, positive players move forward and express it for itself freely. So I think he be, could be potentially be the missing link in that midfield for Bowles in the day. Yeah, um, I, yeah, listen, I, I don't disagree with you on anything there. Um, but if you're going by form, you'd have to agree St. Pat's are in, in a better situation. See, they're coming off as well. So the league standings would say that, yeah, where the Pats finished toward, Bowles finished sixth. Um, Pats, unfortunately, were 10 points off the, the league, a couple of disappointing results throughout the course of it. Um, but they had, a, they had a, a week of finish to the league campaign in terms of a 3 0 uh, defeat to Derry City up in the Brandywell Stadium um, on the final day. And then a really disappointing 2 0 defeat to Shamrock Groves at home, which, which ultimately gave Shamrock Groves the league title. But I think, again, we're looking at those two games, they're looking at, at at the squad that was put out on those two games. Squad rotation did come into it. So, look, not much on the they can here. We're just looking at the facts and we're looking at the team sheet that came out of the day and he wasn't full strength sides mm-hmm. against Shamrock Rovers and Derry because he had a European uh, place to for 2024. So you want to keep players fresh and make sure people have taken over and not there's no injury, major injuries gone into a cup final. So, uh, but even that lines up, you look at they've had, St. Pat's have had three defeats in the last seven league games where Bowles have had two defeats in the last seven league games. So you might actually give the form momentum two bowls a little bit more but for them it's definitely been a more frustrating season in terms of they got off to such a blissful start didn't they like the, the jokes going around the bowls won the league in May and the, the, there was a significant drop off towards the, the back end I also wouldn't really buy into the to the aspect of also more to play for in the cup final considering they also they have not only have silverware but they have Europe on the cards for next year. I don't think anyone goes into any sort of cup final with one foot off the guard. If Pat won't be going into thinking, well, it's okay, we have Europe on, on the cards, so uh, we don't worry too much. So I wouldn't buy into that one. No, into, it's all about uh, trophies. You want to win trophies, and this yeah. is your opportunity. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And they're just, again, with the part of the form, there's the, the, the two sides of play the show, uh, four times this year. You have Pat coming out with two wins. You've seen one draw and one bowls win. So, um, yeah, it really is difficult to say, isn't it? Like, current form, you probably would fancy Bowles because of their impressive win at the end of the season and you just have a little bit a uh, better record over the last seven games. But you see there, Pats have got the better of them twice already this year. So, are you willing to put down a little prediction? Are we willing to get off these fences? Because I think we're getting splinters now at this stage. But. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can you can look at Bowles' form, the, the beat Cork City, they, they, they're beaten twice in their last 
three games. So mm. big can, defeat as well. One like not not big defeat in terms of scoreline, but losing to them to them dogs, very very hot, hotly contested in the uh, for European race, and then losing the Pats two 0 who who are facing here. Exactly so two two big defeats in that aspect. Exactly, and then it, it, the win before that was against UCD. Uh, you're expecting yeah. that they beat Galway uh, first division side. Now I'm I'm kind of you know bite my tongue there on that one because that's not really uh, <laughs> I'm saying first division, but really and truly they're a, a, a higher standard in the first division as we have seen. But they've beaten them, but you know they beat a, a poor Sligo side. They drew with Shelbourne, drew with uh, Drogheda. Uh, and and beat Drogheda just before that in the cup, you know. The, I I think it kind of some of the fixtures that they've had. I don't think, I don't think it's like for like, and that's why I think St. Pat's are, are for me they're they edge it. That I think they're the favourites. As you said, the league position shows why they would be, but I still think that St. Pat's. Um, I think they play better football. I think all season. You know, even at the start of the season, Bowles Bowles had a great start to the season, but they stuttered an awful lot then after that, and 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 they haven't stopped stuttering. And I just don't see, I just don't see how Pats, I suppose, can lose if they perform at their very very best. Um, but cup final, you just don't never know. You just never know. And uh, am I bothered who wins? No, not really but it's going to be a great day for Bowes it's going to be a great day for the St. Pat's fans and hopefully it's a cracker and uh, it's a memorable game uh, something that shines a light on the League of Ireland and gives those 40 odd thousand people something to be uh, excited about and, and something to remember Yeah definitely that's, that's, that's the main thing you just hope it is because some of the, some of the finals over the course of the game, it's, it's definitely going to be near the occasion, so you're hoping it doesn't go to that. Um, because another thing is, it's, yeah, you're just sort of going to when the two sides play, you sort of most recently in, in that way, the team will win. Uh, and Pat beat them in uh, daily mounts. You have someone there in the half of St. Pat's Day. Norman came into the club during the season, he kept Afalaba extremely quiet. If that's something that you can do, that's a, that's a, a main uh, goal scorer set nullified once again. Can he be? Can he do that again? Can he? It's really is difficult to say. Um, I said, oh, well, I can throw a little prediction in for the new bond here, right? Uh, I will go with Pats over the ninety minutes. Obviously, from that same Pats uh, support, I'd like to see that happen. But I'll go with two one, same Pats over ninety minutes. I'm going three one Pats. Well, that's very generous of you. Thanks very much. Means nothing, Nathan. <laughs> it's just a prediction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it's 4-0 both. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, the, the the Women's FAA Cup is next week, and but the Women's Premier Division is the final day this Saturday. So how's it shaping up? Yeah, we'll just quickly run through some of these. We probably could uh, always come back to this, as you said. The, the FAI Women's Cup final take place next week between Shelbourne and Athlone and Tallis Stadium. We'll preview that and we'll, we'll have a, a bit of a closer look. But just there's some interesting uh, fixtures. If anyone wants to go out this weekend, these all take place on Saturday, the 11th of November. So at 2 o'clock, Hotting starts off for Cork City against Shelbourne. As I just said, Shelby warming up for the FBL Cup final. Then at 3 o'clock, uh, Bowles, Fritz Treaty United. 
uh, four o'clock. We have Shamrock Rovers who finished uh, what, second in the league now at the moment. It's a really impressive start by them, isn't it? Coming back in, into the fourth year into the Women's Premier Division under Collie O'Neill. He's done a great job there. Uh, they'll be going against Athlone again, warming up for the FEI Cup final uh, next weekend. And then we have two games kicking off at 4.30, right? We have uh, sixth place Wexford going against fourth place Galway United. And then we have Pima United uh, playing Sligo Rovers. And more of a, it's a title celebration for Pima. Uh, the, the league wrapped up a couple of weeks ago. So, again, once again, massive congratulations to them. And I'm sure they're dying to get their hands on that trophy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the, as you said, the Women's FAI Cup the following week. So, I'm sure we'll be talking about that. Now, it doesn't stop there. Waterford United are one step away from the Premier Division, Nathan. Can they do it? Yeah. So, yeah, yes, it was my fourth answer. Before. And you know what? We'll, we'll do a bit of a different take up in the FBI. I'll, I'll give the answer now and we'll, we'll talk about why. I think they can do it right. So, this, and on the third attempt as well, it's definitely been a difficult one for them. They're getting to the, the, the promotion relegation final in 2021 and 2022 and losing their vocation to UCD. Uh, and even at Keith Lawn, former manager, he's been unlucky in cup finals in the past too. I think he only ever won a length of senior cup of balls. But I, I, I think he is the man to get them over the line, to get them into the Premier Division this year. And to be honest, for me, most of it does come down to run of form that they're on and probably the lack of run of form that Cork City are on. So... Waterford have been deep into the playoffs now. They beat Athlone 4 2 in aggregate. Then they went on uh, for the playoff finals and beat Cove 2 1. It's Miles Phillips' uh, 100 minute goal, gotten the win at extra time. So they're also coming in. You look at that injury list, the, the, the squad report and stuff coming to this game. They have a full squad to choose from. So no major players will be missing out. Have then you look at the Cork City side who finished the league campaign 9 to 31 points, 6 points off safety. As you just mentioned, when we're talking about the FA Cup final, they finished up with a final defeat on the last day of the season. Uh, and some of the other results coming in, there's a nil-all draw against Shamrock Rovers, which was really impressive. But Rovers had the, the league title done and dusted at that stage. Uh, a 1-0 defeat to Derry City and then a 2-0 win against UCD. But again, looking at the record of the last seven league games, right, Cork have only won once in the last seven. So I, I, I think if you are looking at the momentum side of things, I would fancy Warford. You always have the, the, the fact of the of Rory Keaton just had an absolutely excellent season uh, for Cork City. And you really have to commend him for some of the personal stuff he went through this year and to come out the back of that and, and, and to just continue to perform. It, it hats off to him. But I, I, I just look at this Waterford side and the run of form. They, they, look, un, they look unstoppable at the minute compared to a Cork City team that really spluttered their way uh, to the end of the season. And as we said numerous times over the course of this year, if it wasn't for Galway's dominance, you, have, you wouldn't even be talking about Waterford in the, in the promotion relegation final because they would have got the job done over the course of the league. Look, albeit but that, that's only that's a high, uh, hypothetical situation with Galway have been so good. But yeah, I do fancy them. I really, really do fancy Waterford to get the job done and, and to see them in the Premier Division next season. Yeah, um, I... I can see it too, but I don't think it might not be as convincing. I think last year we talked about UCD and, you know, they're after having so many defeats and, you know, it might be hard for them and the team below will will, will have that confidence and, and 
they showed us exactly what they were made of. They they had a good resilience, good mentality and, and got the job done last year. So it's not guaranteed. Uh, it should be a good game though. OK, uh, Nathan, we're going to go on to uh, Drogheda United and their takeover because it, it's, it's a lot more interesting now. Yeah, it certainly is. As, as we've been talking about this takeover over the past week or two, so we just, we'll, we'll just give out the details that we know as of now. That being compared by the club instead of going into the whole background because obviously we want to listen back, listen to the last two shows. Really, we've talked about this on the past number of weeks and went into different avenues, but it's now been confirmed by the club itself that Drotted members have voted in favour of Tribella Group taking full control of the club. This is obviously pending legal, uh, legal formalities, but you'd expect that to go through. So, just to break down uh, the voting, the Toivella needed 75% of the Drottery United members to vote in favour. So just again, just to break things down, Drottery have 144 members. And out of that 144, 91 voted. So you had 90 members in favour and one member that was not in favour. Yeah, this happened at the emergency general meeting just Monday, just gone. Uh, prior to the meeting, you had 59 votes for cast and proxy which left 85 potential votes to be made on Monday at the general meeting in person, but only a four, four of the 32 members did vote, making it a, a 91 uh, voters out of 144. So what we do now, going forward for Drotter, you're looking at the board, uh, Joanna Bourne, Connor Howie and Niamh Leonard will remain, and you have Benjamin Boyka, who's the Travella Managing Director, he'll come on as the new co-chairman, along with Joanna Bourne, and Wesley Hale, who will now come on as an uh, executive director of Drogheda. Uh, we've all seen the statement that Enda McCarville, Kieran Doyle, Andrew Porcel and Jim McGardle have all stepped down as directors of the club. In terms of both short-term, I suppose, and long-term aims, again, these are things we talked about over the past couple of weeks, but just looking at what's been released over the past couple of days, there will be a one million plus the investment put into the club uh, ASAP that's expected to clear the debt that's on Drogheda United now at the moment which is set to be in the range of 400,000 and a uh, 400-500,000 uh, region of a debt so in and around that ballpark figure that 1 million of injection is it, going to clear that and get that out of the club uh, there's going to be an infrastructure and facilities investment again that's going to be immediately on the cards and that's to facilitate Weaver Park FEI licensing requirements, which there's been issues with uh, with the stadium over the past couple of years in terms of licensing. So there's going to be a, an injection of uh, of funds gone into Weaver Park to uh, to make improvements. Not going to bulldoze it, Nathan. No, not going to bulldoze it just yet. They're just going to make improvements on the stands and the toilets and general uh, support facilities. Now, for all you bulldozing aficionados out there, because there seems to be one on the show with us today. Uh, when we could see the bulldozers coming out uh, again this is more of a long term strategy uh, looking at in the stadium there's no year in mind at the moment because no land has actually been acquired but there, there's, there's land in draw that has been earmarked and it's, uh, it's said to be north of the town and that's estimated to come in in the region of 15 million as of now and another thing we talked about was the full time structure that's another long term solution that's not going to happen 2024. We're looking at 2025 at the very earliest that would see a full-time structure and a full-time football contract and stuff like that. 
coming into Jotty United. But Kevin Dotty will have a, an approved budget for the off-season coming. So he'll have a bit more spending money to improve the squad in the short term. So still it could be a struggle next year? It still could very much be a struggle next year, yes. They're going to come in as a, as a, a, a part-time team compared to a lot of other full-time teams uh, within the league. So yeah, it's definitely going to be a struggle for them. But it's something that I think has been reiterated plenty of times because that's something I, I, I think Jordan United fans have concerned about is what if the worst has happened? What if we're in a worst-case scenario where we do drop down to the fourth division, it's just it's just going to be another case where you have an owner that's looking and saying, "Well, this isn't what we thought. You know, this this isn't the European football we expected." And oh God, we're going to have to pump a lot of money in to get back to not only the European football but to the Premier Division, and then that's without making uh, investments in the stadium and the facilities. But this is something that's been, I suppose, squashed by Travella Group. They've said that we've not only like a long-term plan for the next couple of years. They're, they're apparently talking about decades. So again, this is definitely one that you have to sit back and, and see how it turns out. But it's something that's gone through. It's something that's not only it's not only gone, it's absolutely sailed through. As I said, you needed 75% endorsement and that has not been an issue whatsoever. Uh, what do you think? Any thoughts on it? I know, again, as I said, it's something we've talked about over the past couple of weeks, but... Now it's official. We we have a little bit more of a, of an idea of what the plan is going forward. How do you how do you feel if the if the suppose the, the short term or even the long term future is by God in here? I hope it's all true. I hope that they they come through on everything that they're looking to do. If it's de- uh, slow and steady, I don't, you're not no problem with that. You look at what way Derry have gone about things, they're not exactly rushing everything to, to, to spend loads of money straight away and, and you know, roll or you know, roll everything over and have new stadium immediately and you know, Galway are doing the same. You don't see too much talk being talked about about a new stadium or building on it's slow and steady. They've created the budget there. So if they do something similar to that with, with Drogheda, I I'd be happy. Uh, if they're planning for a, a new stadium and they're going the right way about it, I'd be happy. And you just want to see some of these come into fruition and, and you know, be realistic and to be real and for it to happen. So, as fingers crossed, it's a bit like it's, you've seen the, the Shelbourne thing. We all thought, you know, this could be something now. Shelbourne, we get that stadium built up and now that's falling flat in its face. So... We've seen it before with Waterford, so yeah, it's just it's hope more than anything else. Uh, at this stage, it, it's all, that's all it is. It's just something that's happening, and you can't really you take it with a pinch of salt until you start seeing some proof that it's actually what it says on the tin. So, uh, bit of luck that turns around for us. Um, okay, right. Listen, Nathan Finn Harps have a new manager. They have a new existing. Manager staying on, but isn't also new. I'm sure that made a lot of sense. Again, this is something that's been confirmed by the club. Finn Harps announced that Darren Murphy will be the club's head coach going into the 2024 season. Uh, and for the convoluted little intro to this section, uh, Darren Murphy came into the club uh, at the start of this season, the 2023 season, as Dave Rogers' assistant manager. We did see Dave left the role, I think it was back in September for personal reasons. And since then, Darren Murphy has been in as an interim manager. 
for five games and has now been given the role after was again in the close statement said after an extensive uh, recruitment and those candidates interviewed, but Darren Murphy has now come out as the uh, as the, the, the head coach of Finn Harps going forward. Do you just look at them for his games that he, that he did take over when David Rogers left the club? Uh, started off with a one that defeated Galway, which look fair enough. Uh, and they had a 2 1 win to Kerry, beating them 2 uh, 0 3 United. But had a positive finish to the season, Roy, with a really impressive 4 1 win uh, against Athlone at home, and then finishing off with a 1 0 draw against Grey because what is he going to get out of Grey then as well? So a little bit about uh, about Darren's career. A lot of that has happened up in Northern Ireland with the likes of Linfield and Crusade as his coach. And he was also the head coach with Duncan and Swifts. Worked a lot uh, with the underage system in Northern Ireland with the under uh, the national teams under 16, 17s and 19s. And he was also an elite performance coach for the IFA. I was just having a little look before we came on here uh, about the appointment, and there was a press conference that took place uh, just a couple of days ago when the announcement was made. And reading through a few of the quotes, there was nothing like overly dramatic because it's all the entertainment to pull out of it. But the, the, the general vibe of the press conference was one of realism. And it's something that I found very interesting in terms of the contrast of. We talked about a similar press conference that Dave Rogers held at the start of the season and Dave Rogers being very charismatic and the, there was a lot of puzzles thrown around about the, the future and how they're going to be, you know, look, they'll be straight back in the Premier Division where they belong and they're going to get the new the stadium off the ground once again and, and, and go down, down that avenue. Where this press conference with Darren Murphy definitely had a real hint of realism to it in terms of the club are seemingly really keen to cut back on unnecessary expenses. Then it's not going to be an off-season where they're going to be flashing the cash in terms of bringing a lot of players in, especially players from abroad. We want to hone in on the youth academy, which is very commendable. I think it's something that a lot of clubs should do. Well, every club should do if they're in a position to do so. And they feel the players ready to step into the fourth team. Because you look at Dave Rogers' fourth team at the start of the season, and there was no players in the youth academy at all, but that's something that's been phased out over the course of the season. So that seems to be the route and the avenue they're going to go down over the next couple of years. Is maybe even, if you want to call it the, the Kerry approach, looking at the Northwest, looking at Dubai Gall, looking at, at the, the grassroots system and the talent that's available up there. That's all and fine and good, hand- Nathan, if you're getting results from it, but if you're not getting results from it, it's a different matter, isn't it? Yeah, that's where I, I, I think that realism team comes into a role where, by the sounds, where we're, we're not going to have any grand plans of Finn Harps are back in the Premier Division in the next year or two. It definitely seems to be a, a slow process here, which, again, as I said, the contracts back to the start of the year, it, it, it's completely night and day. And I don't know if you want to call it maybe a, a lack of ambition from Finn Harps to get them back in here because. You're going from thoughts of getting out of this league and to, you know, getting back on the right path with the new ground and getting funding and fundraising in place to now, well, we're talking about cutting costs on unnecessary expenditures. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, listen, I think we're going to leave it there, Nathan. I know we had some underage football that we wanted to talk about. We'll talk about that next week. Thanks very much to you and uh, for you for listening. Talk to you next week.